Welcome, and thank you guys for joining us on Colin for our new show, Unruly, with Ryan and Rob. This is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and I'm excited to be joined by our co-host, Rob. What's up, everyone? And our guest today is Delilah Barrios. Uh, Delilah is a working-class mom who is running as a Green Party candidate to be the next governor of Texas. Delilah, welcome to Unruly. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. Uh, we're excited to have you on the show today and give people a chance to hear more about your platform. Uh, so do you want to kick things off by maybe telling us a little bit uh, about your background, uh, your you know your backstory, and what moved you to run for office uh, as a third-party candidate? Um, yeah, okay. So I've been... Um, Excuse me, I'm a little congested. Um, I've been a medical worker for 18 years. I work in surgery and um, and I have three kids and I grew up in the valley and um, right off the coast, the Gulf Coast. And um, I think just perpetually being exposed to environmental racism and um, pollution and things like that has just kind of widened my perception on on the climate. And, you know, I think I had a very good appreciation for the climate crisis at a very young age. And now as a parent and an activist, my focus is making sure that we can ensure a future for next generations, because this isn't for us to enjoy. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's our duty and our obligation to make sure that future generations have um, an opportunity to find peace on this earth. And I feel like at every turn, we're seeing that basic human rights are being denied and people are being harmed by um, for-profit, pro-corporate um, policies and lobbyists. And uh, even as an activist, um, <clears throat> I've realized that we, we have so little power if we're not unified. So really, for me, um, in all of those roles, I felt it was my obligation to do something that was very uncomfortable <laughs> and put myself out there for Texas and, and for the people that I love and I care about and that I want to represent. So Delilah, you're, you're running as a green party candidate, if I'm not mistaken, have you Correct. always been a, a third party voter supporter or was there something in particular that uh, you saw that made you decide not to run in the more typical uh, Republican or Democrat kind of, kind of role? Right. Um, yeah, it's, it took me a minute to get political. I did not, <clears throat> this wasn't a path I had ever envisioned I would be taking. Um, so I did vote for Jill Stein <clears throat> and I voted for Howie Hawkins. And I just recently, I was, I've been an activist for the better part of the last 10 years. So just, you know, in and around the Austin, Texas area. Um, I think this time, well, first of all, as you probably know, Beth O'Rourke is uh, running as the Democratic candidate. And at the when uh, Bernie was running, um, he endorsed Biden right before our primary. And I'm sure you probably remember there was like a lot of excitement for Texas. And we really needed, you know, Bernie people needed Texas to win. And, and everybody knew it. And he just like sold out <laughs> the minute before. And I think it really opened my eyes to just how easy it is to be fooled by these people, these opportunists. And um, 
I, I was never a Biden supporter. And, um, you know, after, after he endorsed Biden and after Bernie, you know, was kind of denied the nomination, I was like, I will never ever again. Cause I was one of the, the victory captains locally and I was trying to schedule events and coordinate people to, you know, to get the vote out for Bernie Sanders and just, it happened so fast. <laughs> we went from having like this huge demonstration to, you know, all of this turnout for Biden. And I was like, nobody was excited. I, I have yet to meet a real person that is excited about Biden as a president. And so that just really highlighted for me the, the, the lack of representation and consideration for poor and working class people. Um, so yeah, Green Party as an environmental activist has always been on my radar. I've always wanted to, to join and support, but in, at this time, you know, it's, uh, we have a ballot line that we need to protect. And so we really need those, those types of people who are willing to get out there and be loud about the issues. And so I, I, you know, it's just a, a need, kind of like a fill a need thing right now. That's what I'm doing. Uh, this race is getting a lot of national attention uh, from the corporate media, but the media is completely erasing your campaign. Delilah, yes. what's it like to watch Beto O'Rourke, who you just mentioned, uh, who is a corporate politician uh, that pretends to be progressive for votes, get all of this national news coverage uh, in, in the Texas governor's race while the media completely ignores your campaign? Yeah, I would compare it to knowing that a lot of uh, people of color voted for Trump. Like it it stings about the same because, <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, these are, are very decent, honest, hardworking people that are just being duped by these um, propagandists. Um, and yeah, it's it's frustrating, but it's not going to deter me at all. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think the media's blackout, though, of third-party candidates like yourself uh, makes them complicit in preserving our corporate duopoly? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, they, they they do play a role. And and it's unfortunate, you know, um, with especially with independent journalists, y'all are being censored and pushed out, too. It's not just, you know, third parties. It's, it's all of us who have a non-corporate opinion that are being silenced, which is really unfortunate, you know, because, well, we're, we're at late stage capitalism and the climates, you know, we're in a climate crisis and we're not supposed to talk about it. Right. It, you know, it's just, it's insane. How do you think when we talk about the green party, I think there's this preconceived notion that it's a very like white party and older party. It's kind of like the, the hippie generation and they oftentimes aren't seen as the, the more radical party that, that has a platform that is, I think, a lot more in line with what the average American wants when you just look at their national platform of uh, legalizing cannabis, when you look at the the original Green New Deal that they put forward, Medicare for All. How, how do you think, in your opinion, um, would be the best way to get more, especially black and brown voters, who I think have always felt their home has been in the Democratic Party? How do we break that cycle and, and let them know that, like, their votes for, for the Democrats hasn't really gotten them anything tangible and, and messaging that the Green Party might be that next avenue for, for people to people of color to, to be seen and, and platformed. Yeah, that um, it sounds like a very complicated question, but I will try to, to touch base on everything that you mentioned. 
I think there's some truth to the the idea or the concept that it's a it's a white liberal party, and I, I think that um, you know, in in my time here, I have seen that there are you know I I often joke with um, Madeline Hoffman, who's a friend of mine, and she ran um, for governor in New Jersey, and I'm just like we're infested. <laughs> Like with neoliberals, they 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 push forward. It's very easy because you can spot these people, and they'll do everything in their power to just kind of like derail or or postpone movements. And and what I'm tasked with, and a lot of other younger generation and people of color and others, you know, LGBTQIA people, uh, Black and Brown, Indigenous, we just have to make ourselves louder, and we have to be more consistent, and we have to push back harder. And and it's a struggle. And I'm not going to lie to people about it. We desperately need help and we need more activists in our ranks. And we don't have the numbers that we need to be as effective as we want, like especially considering that we're non-corporate. We don't take money. We're not going to be able to buy our way into the public spotlight. The only thing we can do is show up for communities and support them as best as we can and be consistent. And, and, and a state as big as Texas I mean, we're talking we need like over like 15, 20 million people to at least be talking about this campaign, at least be talking about the climate crisis, you know, and, and we as Greens need to show up for them. So it's a it's a national movement right now. There's a lot of us that are that are bringing the energy to the party um, and we just need we just need some more support to, to be able to tell volunteers like we know exactly what we want to do with you we know what we're gonna do here's the plan here's our strategy um right now it's like it's it's just we're so um you know people want us to be more corporate and we're you know a lot of us are like no we're not doing that that's against everything that we would ever you know try to campaign for um and that's because in it's becoming harder to have a voice and and be heard and be seen in a more and more corporate world. So, you know, although it sounds like an easy fix, it's not the right fix for Green Party. So, um, yeah, I would just tell people, you know what, just get involved locally and, and get some of your candidates and, and tell them what you're doing and then get them to rally behind you. Cause that's, that's what we need to do. Uh, Delilah, what would you say to uh, a voter in your state that, at, that, that, asked you, you know, what's what's the main difference between your vision for for Texas and uh, Beto O'Rourke and Greg Abbott's vision for Texas? You know, what what policies are you running on uh, and how do they differ from from the policies of of the two other uh, corporate party candidates? Um, I think policy wise, they'll lie and platform on whatever they think is popular at the moment. (laughs) Um, And and I think the, the big difference is that I am a working class person. I I'm not a millionaire. I don't have oil tycoon friends or real estate investors. You know what I'm saying? That are that are trying to prop me up so that I can back their interests. I I have the same interests as the rest of uh, the 99% who just need healthcare. We need living wages. We need housing. We need public transportation, and we need our human rights. And it's just it's it's very simple. To hear the the separation of um, the motivation, because I'm motivated by a deep love and care for my fellows, and they're motivated by trying to impress you 
and trying mm. to sound and trying to, to pander to you. And I'm not that person. There's a, there's a distinct difference between somebody who knows what it's like to live without hot water or electricity or, you know, not knowing when my, if I'm going to pay my bills, I know what that's like. And a lot of these other people do not. And it's very clear to see the type of people they try to disengage with. You know, if you watch them on the campaign trail, like that, you can tell they're, they're not willing to answer every question because they don't have that experience. They don't have that real working class experience. And so what's lacking is a solidarity from their campaigns, which at least we can offer that. If you get elected, what what do you expect your relationship to be with the state legislature and you know the state senate? Like, do you think that they would be willing to work with you? Do you foresee roadblocks and and like what powers as governor would you be able to have to to help implement your your policies that you want to get through to to help the people in in your state? Yeah, um, absolutely. I expect it to be difficult. <laughs> Um, and you know, that's okay because, uh, it's, it's about time for the people to have their voices heard. Um, the legislator, the, the Texas ledge has not protected Texans in decades. And, um, although the democratic party wants to posture themselves as having a moral compass, they don't, they, they, and, and they're ineffective, you know, I mean, they, they're not able to protect patients' rights. They're not able to raise them a minimum wage. Um, legally, there's a lot of different ways um, that a governor can challenge um, the status quo. You know, there's uh, executive orders, there's um, constitutional amendments, um, there's bills that can be introduced. And um, again, it's this is the campaign for the people. It's not like, oh, Delilah, what do you want the future of Texas to look like? I want it to look like how y'all want it to look like, <laughs> you know, I want your kids to be safe and happy. I want my kids to be safe and happy and everybody deserves that. And I'm just trying to empower people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to show up with some savior complex. I'm trying mm. to show up for you, for the people, because I'm just as tired as they are. I would not be in this position if I wasn't fed up with the lies and, and the delays for progress. So. <clears throat> By by any means necessary, we'll we'll have rights for all people that live here. Uh, in the past year, uh, both Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have said, uh, and I quote, that our country needs a strong Republican Party. Okay. Notice how they never say we need a strong Socialist Party or a strong Green Party. So the leaders of the Democrats, they want a strong right-wing party when we already have two right-wing parties who rule over us. Delilah, what do you say to Democrats uh, like Biden and Pelosi and their followers who would rather have a strong Republican party than a strong Green party? I just want to say to those people that um, some people... (laughs) are born um you know some people rely on wishbones and some people rely on backbones and i'm glad i was born with a backbone it's not easy to fight for people that you don't know but it's very important to do so i think that a lot of liberals that i meet or or conservatives they're in a place of comfort and privilege to not have to know what it's like to live without human rights to live um without any social guarantees. They, socialism 
is a threat to them because they are not willing to be uncomfortable. And at this point in time, I don't care. <laughs> um, if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, then you're not willing to be an ally and need you to get out of the way so the rest of us can do the hard work that we need to. <laughs> I, I remember during the uh, well said. the primaries, <laughs> um, there was exit polling showing that uh, for the first time, of, like a majority, I don't know, if, I think it might have been of Democrats, but like 51% of Democrats in the state of Texas had like a positive view of socialism. Um, I'm just a California guy out here, but what do you think, like, the, the general perception within the state? Can you sense a, a shift towards people maybe getting fed up, maybe being a little more open-minded to something like socialism? Or or do you think that, like, the uh, the increase of a lot of these anti-abortion laws are, are kind of rallying people behind the Democratic Party as the... Uh, you know, like, well, we have to be the ones to fight back against these evil Republicans. Do you think that's been making it harder to organize as a third party? Or, or do you think that, like, the, the general population of Texas is kind of shifting more to the left and, and wanting more? I, I remember that poll, Rob, just to butt in really quick. You're right. It was uh, it was a poll, though, of Democratic primary voters in Texas. It was during the primary. So I know at first I'm like, I got super excited. 51% of Texans support socialism? It was yeah. 51% of Democrat voters have a, have a more favorable view of socialism than capitalism, which is still, you know, because even conser- uh, Democratic voters in Texas lean way more conservative. So that's still a very promising uh, poll. Yeah, I think it's a great indicator of of where we are um as i mentioned i've been um i work in surgery and so we've got people who make like 15 dollars an hour working with people who make like two hundred thousand dollars an hour like that we're all in the same space you know what i'm saying and and it's really nice that i don't hear any pushback against socialism i hear no pushback from anybody <laughs> about medicare for all you know what i'm saying everybody's like on board because it's a really wasteful system, um, especially right after COVID. I, the days I know a lot of people that are no longer medical workers because they could not. They could, it, it just crushed us. It crushed the working class. And um, you know, I instead of feeling fearful or or you know apathetic, I think a lot of people really are are kind of at that place where like, well, we have to do something because they're not going to do it for us, you know. And so a lot of um, polls from Texas are heavily primary voters, but what they don't like to advertise is that most people in the state are unaffiliated. They want the opportunity to vote. However, you know what I'm saying? If you live in this county, you might prefer to vote for this type of person if you live here. And so like, we don't even have straight ticket voting in the state. So it's, it's really, you know, the Democrats were like, that's not fair. <laughs> Um, but, but for, for myself and other, you know, fairly independent voters were like, oh, good. Then you actually have to like look into whose name's going to be on the ballot. You have to familiarize yourself with, um, with the kind of policies they're campaigning on. And I think that's really helpful. Like we have a lot of, um, unaffiliated voters in this state that they're not apathetic. They're paying attention. They're just not wasting their energy on, you know, on, playing party politics. And I think that's a really great sign for the state. Do we have any uh, questions from uh, any listeners? Do they want to join the queue and and come and ask? 
real quick, I see in the chat that Jamie asked if uh, Delilah could define socialism and says in the chat, real Marxism would succeed in Texas, wishy-washy, verso-esque socialism wouldn't. What are your thoughts on on what socialism, I guess, what's your definition of socialism and, and how do you think socialism could could help the people of Texas? Yeah, you know, we have a lot of billionaires who love Texas because they don't have to pay um, state taxes <laughs> and um, they're, you know, it's, it's cost of living is very low. There's a lot to exploit from the state. So um, I, I think in order for socialism to do well in a state like Texas, we have to keep it simple and, and we can't just say like, oh, like for instance, I don't tell everybody um i'm a socialist candidate or i campaign on eco-socialism i talk to them about it when they ask me um but if they don't want to hear about it i just stick to the platform i stick to the policies that they need because the policies are socialist policies and and basically you're taking the corporate welfare away from corporations and you're making sure that people have you know the things that they need that the budget is fair we're not spending billions of dollars on our police budget. We're spending it on the libraries and the clinics and things like that. So I, I don't, I don't feel like I have to be in anybody's face about what socialism means. You know what I'm saying? I just have to be consistent about um, where I'm going to be um, as far as, you know, platform wise. And I'm not trying to sell out to anybody. Um, I'm not getting paid by anybody to advocate for anything. And um you know, there's a big push to be perfect for, oh, you've got to, you've got to, you know, make yourself, um, you've got to pander to this base. You've got to, you know, do this. And it's like, I can't, I couldn't make every single person that ever met me love me and, and, and want to vote for me, but I can try. And, um, that's what I'm doing. I, I don't even know anybody in this state besides people that are in college that would even talk about Marxism at all. And, you know, I'm just a regular working class person, so I could be missing a lot of the fun people. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, most working class people don't really care about your theory or, or your ideals. They just they just want real change in their life. And that's that's all I'm trying to do is offer that to them. About a month ago, I think um, Beto O'Rourke was on Twitter and said that Greg Abbott and his socialism uh, was wrecking the state of Texas. I don't know if you if you recall that, but mm-hmm. do do you think in a situation like that where socialism and communism common commonly get used as like a boogeyman term to like scare voters, do you think it's important to kind of clarify exactly like, you know, this is what they're claiming socialism is, but let's at least have like a a an easy version for for people who might not who might hear that and kind of get startled away to say like no real simply this is what socialism is and isn't and what mm-hmm. greg abbott is is not a socialist he's a, a hardcore conservative and uh <laughs> and do you think there's an importance to kind of through your campaign trying to educate the people i know working class people tend to be overworked underpaid and tired and they don't necessarily want to have full on discussions about theory, but just kind of clarifying some of these terms that I think have been weaponized by both Democrats and Republicans to kind of just scare the average person into falling in line with one of the two major parties. Yeah, absolutely. I, it it makes me laugh every single time I hear somebody reference that Biden's a communist, <laughs> like <laughs> the, the disinformation, misinformation in this uh, 
I think in every state political. I wish I wish because, Biden was a was a communist. Right, like at least <laughs> something similar to <laughs> to someone who cared about the community, but no. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's um I would I would argue the campaign to keep people misinformed um comes from both sides and uh because they both benefit. You know, they're two wings of the same corporate bird and um I'm not trying to debate anybody on on policies. You know what I'm saying? I think the best thing for me to do is offer the information to people. You know, we wanted to do literature campaigns and then it's just been bad with the COVID. Like, you know, where's it's hard to tell. Like people aren't even wearing masks half the time um, inside. And it's just, you know, there's a lot of sick people in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I want to do campaigns where I can offer information and things like that. But the best I can do is just talking to people when I'm out and, and telling them, you know, well, how do you feel about that? Because every single person that lives here has a complaint. They have something that they're not pleased with. And, um, and socialism can tackle pretty much everything, um, every concern of theirs. Um, as long as I am considerate of, you know, what their needs are, you know, I don't have to say socialism's the answer. You have to, you have to be a socialist. I don't have to say that to them. I just have to advocate for socialism in this state. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is hard. And I, I would love to offer, you know, as much time and space and energy towards educating people. But at the end of the day, I don't think that a lot of people care. They're busy and they're, you know, being crushed under, uh poverty wages and lack of health care so i'm not trying to get them to fly a banner for me you know i'm just trying to tell them that there's another way and i mean i i hope that that's enough yeah well i look i when we when we live under the most powerful capitalist empire in history you know it's hard to to wake people up uh to uh any kind of politics that isn't about that is about putting the collective and our collect and humanity's collective needs, you know, over just individual selfish greeds. I mean, and and for me, that's really what when I started learning about socialism, it's really like socialism is just about putting the power back into the hands of the people. You know, people will would own their work instead of, uh, you know, well, you know, instead of the handful of oligarchs that control the American economy, every industry would be would would be owned by the workers, by the people. Right. It would you know, we would we would own our own work. We would not be uh, under the thumb and under the boot of these of these powerful capitalists who just continue to you know acquire more and more wealth at the expense of, uh, you know, the labor of the working class. And for me, like that was my one of my big epiphanies is like, oh yeah, like they do, they exploit like, and how, how insidious of a system that, because a lot of people call themselves capitalists and it's like, no, you're not, trust me, you're not a capitalist. (laughs) Like, you know, the, the system that exploits us gets us to like, cheer for and root for for, for capitalism when uh-huh. literally the essence of capitalism is exploiting the labor of the people to enrich uh uh the ruling class and so That's it's just it's you know it's it's and this has been going on you know for uh, over a century that this campaign against socialism I, I would argue that the inequality we see today is a direct result of 
the capitalists uh, and the giant corporations in America waging, you know, a hundred year war against socialism. Uh, and look where that's gotten us. We, we now live in the country with the highest levels of, of wealth and equality in human history. Uh, mm -hmm. Literally, uh, we have the highest levels of wealth and equality in human history in the United States of America, meaning the wealth of, of, of Jeff Bezos uh, uh, to the wealth of people down at the bottom is, is a higher disparity than than's ever existed in any society in the world. And so I just think that sometimes Americans, like like um, like Rob said, people are when you're under the boot of the empire, it, it can feel exhausting just to survive here uh, and, and that to fight back against that seems insurmountable. And so I think mm -hmm. that one thing I think that motivates people is to see that we can, that we can win when we come together. And I think, you know, campaigns like yours, I think anyone who's running on an eco-socialist platform or a socialist platform in this capitalist empire should be commended for their courage. And, and I agree with a little bit with what you're saying. It's like, Sometimes people don't want to get bogged down in the terminology. They just know what we have now isn't working. Our capitalist system that feeds more and more wealth to the top uh, at the expense of everyone else. And they want a different system. Maybe they're just too scared to call it socialism. And I, I believe the system is socialism. But I think there's just so much hang up with that word. And I personally, as an activist, just decided, well, we need to own that word. You know, and, and because, you know, sometimes politics is is a matter of just winning that debate. But I could see, you know, being in Texas, you know, you know, if you're going to compete against these two capitalist parties, you know, trying to explain to everyone in a few short months what socialism is could be a very challenging uh, campaign. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't stay on college campuses all the time. <laughs> so, and, and even, you know, you'd think, oh, the younger generation, and not to say all college students are young, but, mentor, you know, there's a lot of young people there they're so well informed and so there's there and it's like mm, some of them aren't some of them are very i mean one of the campuses down um in the rio grande valley where i'm originally from um posted in their newspaper that i was a republican candidate and i had to reach out to them and say hey i don't know <laughs> uh i don't know why you printed that and they were like i'm so sorry we did not do enough research um and you know it's just it was such an interesting thing that's like I, I, you know, everybody that I know from every political background that I've said, hey, I'm running for office, they're like, oh, that's great. I'm so glad I'm going to vote for you. And I'm like, you haven't, do you, do you want to know like what the platform is? And they're like, nope. <laughs> like, they just, you know, they're, they're, they're our colleagues that I've worked with for over a decade. And like, they're like, you're the most consistent person I know. So whatever, you're, like, I'm, I'm just happy to support you. And I'm like, all right, well, thanks. Like, tell your friends. Cause you know, I mean, like, I'm not even, um, I'm not really being challenged on that front as far as consistency because, you know, they've known me for so long. And it's like half of the people that donate are like friends of friends. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, oh, I heard about you through this or, oh, so and so told me about that. And, and I'm telling you, a part of it is a little scary that they're not trying to do research and they're not trying to look into what I'm talking about and what I believe in. But part of it is a little inspiring that they just have faith in people, you know, in working class people that they're willing to just, you know, side with you. But it's like, that's just so much. And it's very inspiring and beautiful and, and terrifying at the same time, you know, because I can argue, it depends on who I'm talking to, but I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to argue that, I know what's best for you. I think that's really 
egotistical and wrong, but I can argue for your benefit, even if you don't agree. And I think that that principle where, where I'm willing to meet people and talk to them and say, agree to disagree is, is that says more than, than any of my, any of my platform policies is that consistency that I'm a real person, that authenticity, you're a real person and I want to meet you somewhere. And even if we don't agree, I still want you to have healthcare and I still want you to be able to afford your mortgage and bills and not be bogged down by student loan debt, you know? Yeah. Betsy in the chat asks if you're going to be at, um, allowed to participate in the debates. And, and I guess one of my questions I have, um, if the answer is yes, that you are allowed, how do you hope to kind of on a big stage like that, where you do have the, the eyes watching you, at least in theory, people would, would be trying to stay informed. Um, how would you like to, to come across and, and, and how do you present your authenticity and your consistency to people who are just seeing you for the first time and, and only have such a small window? Yeah. Um, I don't believe we'll be, um, we'll be allowed to participate in the debates. Um, we did a small educational, um, third party like webinar not too long ago with some of the libertarian candidates. And oftentimes they, along with Green Party, are the only ones holding the legal battle um, to to make sure that, you know, that ballot access is fair or or as close to fair as possible. And, um, you know, I think in a short period of time, all I want people to understand is that this really isn't about me. It's not about me. It's about you. <laughs> it's about what you need. And um, and I want you to know that your fight is my fight, too. So although we'll probably be pushed out of the uh, debates, um, we'll probably do something and like a live stream outside or on the same date, you know, just to kind of touch base. We might even watch it and then offer our own, you know, perspective just to give people that that different view and that different perspective that isn't. So, I mean, even, even sometimes the debate questions are loaded, you know, it's like heavily, uh, monetized. And, um, I don't think that really speaks a lot of truth to the issues, um, that most people are facing. So, um, yeah, I just want people to know that, that I have the same concerns that they do, you know, and, uh, and I'm not trying to, to silence their needs, um, to make myself seem better than what I am. You know, I, I want to offer a platform to them as well. That's one of the things that I really enjoyed um, when we had a Medicare for all March um, in Austin is uh, we gave the podium over to people to share their healthcare stories. And it was a really beautiful moment, you know, for people to just feel like, thank you for, for allowing me to speak on, on how, you know, medical debt hurt me or this. And it was just like, you know, I, for me, that's what it's really about. It's about that human connection. I think that there's a bit of that devoid in the in the corporate, you know, debates. Absolutely. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, by the way, you guys can go in the call-in queue so you can actually ask the questions and, and join us here. But uh, Jamie asked, uh, have you spoken with Sema Hernandez who ran against Beto last election cycle? She might be a, uh, a good person to get a debrief from. Uh, for some advice. Um, that is a very nice consideration. I, we would, we used to follow each other on another account that I had. Um, and I, I met one of her, um, friends 
And, uh, and I think, I think as a Democrat and, and I think she's just trying to focus on, on helping her fellow Democrats right now get some exposure that she was denied when she ran. So on, um, I would like to reach out, but also I understand that she may not want to be reached out to right now because it's probably, you know, very emotional. I hadn't heard of Sema when, um, Beto was running lost in what, 2018? She was completely, um, you know, she, even though some local stations covered her, like it was, I hadn't heard about her at that time. And so I really sympathize with what she went through. And I think that she would sympathize with what I'm going through too, but I don't know that, that we'll find ourselves being colleagues this time around. Uh, we've interviewed candidates on the show, third party candidates who uh, have actually gone and shown up to the debates uh, to let the public and to let the community know that the the two corporate parties as well as the local media was excluding them from the debate and not allowing the public to hear about uh their candidacies and uh it was very well received um princess blanding did that last election cycle and we just spoke with um jose uh, who's running in san diego yeah jose cortez and he he showed up to the debate as well and he got a uh, very loud reception. Is that is that something you'd consider doing as well? Just because I think one of the disconnects I think is a lot of the public doesn't even know really that we are in this rigged system, and they're intentionally keeping candidates like you from the debate stage. Um, and you know they they're not aware that the party that calls itself democratic uh, is trying to suppress voter choice in this country and make it harder for. Uh, candidates like you to get uh, public, you know, public funding, as well as to get a seat on the debate stage. Uh, Would you consider stuff like that, like just showing up and letting people know about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I really I'm an activist at heart. So (laughs) Um, I'm happy to go make some noise where I can. Um, Of course, we want to try and, and keep it, you know, professional. But yeah, I think that that's I love that strategy. I was I was very excited to see that um, Princess was trending with um with her you know with her um uh presence when she showed up and and was demanding you know that she had a right to to debate is yep. perfect i was just like oh i love her you know that's great so yeah i would i would not be opposed to doing that i i think it'd be a really great strategy and i would enjoy it i think <clears throat> I think it's interesting the way you said you want to keep it professional. Um, One of the two candidates, the major candidates, is Beto O'Rourke, who I think for a lot of people was most famous for standing on tables and and trying to come across as like this edgy, hey, I'm not one of those guys from the system, even though the way he votes and and the policies he pushes very much are, are so what do you think of the the double standards or or how do we change this system that that basically sets up these these democrats and republicans are allowed to to kind of be more loud and rambunctious and it's seen as like oh that's good that's agitation but when someone from a third party does it it's it's well that's a lack of professionalism and that's that's why you're green party or that's why you're not a, a being seen as a serious candidate how do we kind of point out this this hypocrisy and and kind of challenge the system and change it so that we're not stuck in a, in a way that, that candidates have to feel like, well, I want to do this thing as an activist. I want to agitate, but I am afraid that, you know, we already are 
being perceived in such a light that, you know, oftentimes a third party candidate gets called the spoiler candidate. And what's the best way to effectively combat that messaging and, and let people be their authentic candidates and, and not worry about that repercussion? You know, as a brown indigenous woman from Texas, that double standard has been ever present um, mm. growing up. Uh, no matter what, I've always challenged um, authority. I've always asked questions. I've always been told you're too loud. You're too this. You're too that. And and I just leaned into it because I, I I can't change myself. I'm not willing or able to to water myself down for people. So on Amen. that aspect, thank you. <laughs> on that aspect, there's really nothing to be done about it. But as far as like, you know, like we had a campaign meeting and they were like, so if you get arrested and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Here's my game plan. <laughs> like, Because it's a potential, you know what I'm saying? Like, however uncomfortable it is, I mean, white supremacy is alive and well. And, and, you know, it's not shocking to see people, you know, it's not shocking to see the right antagonizing people, you know, and we need more people on the left to be um, as dedicated and, and you know, uh, vocal um, as they are. You know, it's it's sad because this is a perfect example of where the right is far better organized than we are. It's Texas. I mean, it's 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 alarming and and it's it's frustrating and to hear that you know i might have to wear something or dress a certain way or say you know stick to certain talking points in order to be valid here despite all of that it's very very much a struggle but um you know it, it's it's still so worth it because if i can keep pushing back right i've always had to push back I just mm. want to inspire more people to do that too, because it's mm. very important work. Um, it's very important work. And, and I think I see a lot of hope, especially with the younger generation. I get a mm. lot of messages from people that are just like, I'm so glad somebody that looks like me is running. And it's just like, it's 2022. And, and this state has never seen uh, a person of color as governor. Hasn't happened. Why wow, is that? That's crazy. You know that's... what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, yeah, and the, the status quo isn't going to disrupt itself. So, you know, I, I'm glad right. to hear, glad to hear you say that, you know, that you have no problems, you know, tapping into your activist roots and, and agitating. And, and I think, because the truth is, I think that's what we're all, that's what everyone who sees the injustice and knows the injustice that exists, not just in our country, but in our world every day. We want there to be more agitation. We want there to be more disruption. That's mm -hmm. how you change a system that's corrupt like this. It's it's never going to change itself. These politicians yeah. who profit off the rig system, they're never going to be like, okay, you know, I, what I think we should do is give working class people more rights, give, you know, black and brown people more rights. No, they, they might pander and say those things. But if we mm -hmm. want true liberation and justice for all people, then we have to fight for it. And I think, you know, courage is contagious. I think that, you know, People in your community seeing you stand up and, and, and say you were excluded from the debate, I think that could create a nice grassroots movement in, uh, in, your, in your community and, and for your campaign. I think, if, as far as I'm concerned, more disruption, the better, because I think the system now, if it's not disrupted, it's going to continue to uh, harm uh, so many people, uh, not just in our country, but in our world. And so I, I almost feel like there's a, you know, anyone who, who has 
any kind of you know activist uh, bone in their body, it's like our job right now is to disrupt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think as an activist, that's that's kind of where I felt alarmed enough to take this step to run for office because it, it wasn't enough. You know, unfortunately, we were we're getting, um, you know, one of the things that I did recently, well, not recently, it's been a few years, but Kinder Morgan put a pipeline through um, the hill country in, you know, next to a county that I live in. And there was such public backlash there. There, everybody, we had conservatives, we had, you know, the hippies, we had young people, we had all people showing up and saying, we don't want this. This isn't what we want. And, and pushing back in court and, and funding legal funds to, to, to get injunctions. And it went through anyway. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And it's just like, instead of feeling defeated, you know, I wanted to, to push harder. And I wanted mm. to get more people involved. And, and you know, right now, um, Enbridge is pushing through a pipeline into Corpus Christi, which is, um, which is tribal lands. And, and, you know, the, again, public is coming out and they're saying, we don't want this. We don't want this. And, and it doesn't matter. And like, so we just have to push harder, you know, when Black mm. Lives Matter was that that year was explosive you know i went to so many protests i saw so much um you know just solidarity and like i really did feel a little bit of liberation with with the people who were out there i mean we had people protesting 24 7 mm -hmm. out there you know and it was so good to see that and and it kind of just like died down you know and and the pandemic hit people you know got kicked off unemployment and and right now is is such a hard time for so many people they're not making enough money they're they're worried about people like we've got people taking care of more people than they can right mm -hmm. like especially in my field healthcare workers are some of the most empathetic people i've ever met and and they that drive to take care of people never goes away but your ability to mm. and the energy that you have to give starts lowering and that's because you're not you're not feeling empowered you're not feeling worthwhile and you're not feeling heard and like that's so important and i i don't think i realized at that time when we were going to all these protests and like i i've always brought my kids to protest and mm. i always took them to to do direct action and when that happened and i saw firsthand all of the police brutality that's that changed me i i like i don't bring them to to these types of things anymore and it hurts because like they they want to go they want to be there you know they want to be activists and i'm afraid for them to to be activists and and i think that that's valid i think it's valid that people are like i'm afraid to lose my job i'm afraid for this you know texas is a right to work state and people you know you could get fired for something you said on twitter <laughs> depending on where you work and you know i think at this point with us being crushed with us being, you know, just like with the the money being squeezed out of the working class right now, it's now or never is how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that sounds radical, but you know, the climate crisis is real. The ice caps are melting. There's, I mean, I think one of my kids was in a class and a student was like, we were trying to evacuate because there were tornadoes, and then there were wildfires that they encountered on the way evacuating 
from that other natural disaster. Mm-hmm. So this stuff is happening whether or not you want to see it. You know, like we just had a tornado last week. Um, and, and it's like, it's getting worse and we can't just give up our hands and stop trying. We have to try with everything we've got. I feel like right now is our time to, to fully liberate people, to fully find our power and challenge the ruling class and challenge, you know, the idea that we have to settle for crumbs. No, we don't. And I'm going to say that until there's no breath left in my body because I, everybody needs to know that they have rights and they deserve to fight for them. And I want to fight with them. And regardless of, um, of your situation, if you have enough, you know, air in your lungs, like at least be an advocate, at least be, if you can't, you know, strike, at least support the people who can't, you know what I'm saying? There's a role for everybody. And I think everybody's just feeling a little disenfranchised right now. Mm. especially due to politics but you know i'm working with what i have and i just want people to know like you you're not helpless and and you're you're being made to feel that way because you know the the narrative is changing it's being disrupted already you know that they've lost control and and now is the right time to to push back and and i really just want to help everybody that i can do that (laughs) So what's your secret for not getting completely demoralized? I, I mean, I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but it, I think there on the left, there was this, this feeling of hopefulness in the Bernie Sanders campaign, especially after Nevada. And mm-hmm. I think the Joe Biden winning the primary and then the presidency kind of deflated a lot of energy on the left, um, mm-hmm. as well as you know, bringing up some contradictions to where we see people who we thought were on the left and on our side are not so much on the left and they're more aligned to to neoliberalism and, and the status quo. But I think for a lot of people, when you try to organize, when you try to give up the, the limited time and energy you have towards a, towards a goal, uh, I know for me here in, in California, there was a push that I was I was trying to help out with to get healthcare, single payer, AB fourteen hundred, and the fact that it got pulled, it didn't even end up getting a, a floor vote in the the state assembly, which is a super majority Democrat. It's it's deflating. It's like what is all this time and energy uh, going towards? So so how how do we keep people from feeling that burnout and and how do we set some realistic goals that? that'll make people feel like there are achievable victories and to be able to say, oh, we fought for this and we won it, as opposed to all our goals kind of seeming like huge transformational change, which right now we just don't have the the pe- enough people with good hearts and, and places of power to, to make some of these bigger, loftier goals uh, actually achievable. Well, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, Growing up, I grew up in a mixed family, right? So we had like the Catholics, you know, we've got the conservatives, <laughs> we've got the socialists, we've got the indigenous people, you know, anarchists, we've got all kinds of people um, in our communities. And um, growing up knowing that I am not separate from the earth, I am part of the earth and the earth is part of me helps ground me and and Mm. give me the strength that I need to not give up because, you know, we do have to be a voice for the voiceless often, you know, I, I, 
even as a young child. I had friends who were disabled and, and I would just like get into fights on the playground. You know what I'm saying? If somebody was picking on them and it's like, you know, it is hard. Like being this person, this, uh, this, you know, everybody's like empathy is a superpower, but, but you can't, you know, empty yourself into things that aren't, aren't fulfilling you. And I think as far as electoral politics go, that there, there has to be a realization that it really can only go so far. You know, it, we can only do so much in trusting other people with our, our needs. And, and it really now is the time for you to come to terms with your needs and how you're going to go about getting them. And I think that especially as a woman, people judge me. They're like, oh, that's really selfish. And it's, it is not because I want to have my needs fulfilled so that I can continue helping other people. And at this point in my life, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried that I won't be able to help people because I'm going to be giving too much to things that don't serve me. So that's why I push so heavily for direct action. And that is why I push so heavily for um, activism and, and even arts and things like that. All of that is in a way something to fulfill you because you will find yourself in a group of people and you may not know them. You may not know anything about them, but you're both there in the same place for the same reason. And that is powerful. If you can find your fellow activists and you can find your people stay with those people don't let other people come into your your space and tell you what you can't do you really don't have time to listen to them so just don't acknowledge them i have so many trolls <laughs> coming after me on a regular basis and when i'm nice to them they just don't even know how to act <laughs> they're just really confused and for me you know it makes me feel good because i didn't stoop to a level that they wanted me to you know what i'm saying and and showing that, you know, I can take this ground, I can be, I can be compassionate, despite that you're not showing it to me. It helps me find the other people who are compassionate too, you know? So just don't stop finding, finding what resonates with you. And and just keeps, you know, keep growing your community. In that sense, I think a lot of the, the women in my life right now are what help fuel me and, and give me the strength that I need to keep pushing because they'll say, you know, Delilah, I'm, I'm so proud of you, but I could never. And I'm like, mm. yes, you could. <laughs> you absolutely could. And you'd be great at it, you know? And, um, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, solidarity is a verb. It's not, it's not a hashtag. Exactly. It, mm. It's, it's what you do with your time, your precious time and energy. Um, and, and if you're doing it right, you're putting it in the right places, you will, you, you'll, you'll get your cup filled back up because, you're doing the good work, you know, it needs to be done and you're making friends along the way. <laughs> Very well said, Delilah. Um, I think we're, we're approaching the hour mark here. So I, I really want to thank you uh, for your time. Uh, thank everyone who listened in. Uh, fine, my final question, I want to ask you uh, what you've learned about yourself and what you've learned about uh, your community in running for office. Um, I think what I learned about myself is that I really do cuss more <laughs> than <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> um, and, and I need to kind of tone that down a little bit. Um, I think I also learned that, um, I, uh, you know, I was really nervous when I started this, this path. Um, I had a lot of anxiety 
and just keeping in mind that it's not about me that it's about the people that I love and I care about that's mm. really just changed the whole perspective for me um you know it's not me up there trying trying to talk to you about what I envision it's me trying to tell you that you deserve this much you know and it's it's been it's kind of just clicked perfectly because this is what my function has been so long before I took a political route and it's it's very comfortable now that I'm I feel you know I feel like I'm I'm uh, I'm able to to exist and be myself here um too <clears throat> and um you know uh I lost my train of thought what was the second part of the question I'm oh sorry. just maybe what you learned what you've learned about your community and and running for office as well or 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 our country yeah well um I think our country is highly divided and I think that it's very easy you know, I like to say you're not immune to propaganda because I don't think anybody is. It's a, it's a, it's a continual challenging, um, of the narrative that will get you to the information that, that is true. And so, you know, um, I am a bit alarmed at times when I, I realize, um, especially, you know, with the transmissive legislation and anti-women bigotry legislation, I, I'm alarmed that people still, again, want to put their needs in the hands of others. Because I, I don't know that, I don't know how many other people there are that would that would be willing to risk, you know, their job, their comfort to to advocate for you and your community and your needs. So, what I've learned, at least about my community, is that. Um, a lot of them, a lot of us, we don't really care. And there's a lot of forgiveness in our hearts for things. Um, so long as we can find common ground, um, we're willing to work together. And that is very inspiring to me because um, I need to work with a lot of people who I may not always agree with. And uh, <laughs> just knowing that we can find common ground um, has taught me that, that all of this is very, very needed and um, it's worthwhile. And fi finally, how can people get more information on your campaign uh, or sign up to help your campaign? Um, yes, we have a website. It's DelilahForTexas.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, potentially. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I do I do some podcasts from now now and again. Sabi Sabs does a women's liberation podcast once a month. Um, and I then, love Sabby know, Sabs. I love her too. She's amazing. She's the best. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. I'm always just like, oh, you're so great. <laughs> She's so sweet and kind and just has such a great perspective. Um, yeah. So any of those things, if you can donate, great. If you have a direct action you want to collaborate on, please reach out. Um, Green Party and our state party are going to be endorsing it's a earth day to may day action and so it's a green party uh peace action committee and eco action committee are hosting events and so what we're trying to do is get the community more involved and like just like you know you can email us your memes and like we're just trying to talk about the climate crisis and have like a really big movement from earth day to may day just uh, just trying to support each other and have that intersectionality. So please reach out and, uh, and get involved if you can. 
Awesome, Delilah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with us. And, and thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Unruly. Thanks, Thanks Delilah. Delilah. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>